Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, where we share the Sermon of the Week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. I was not here last week. I was visiting with Steve and Deb Nordyke, uh, good friends of this church, good friends of ours. They send their greeting. They say hello from nice, warm, sunny Florida. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was interesting to be there and had a great time. And uh, so they send their, their greeting to you. While I was there, I was able to uh, uh, see some people fishing on the beach. And uh, I'm not a saltwater fisherman. I'm a freshwater fisherman. But saltwater fishing is a little bit different. If uh, Yeah, that's me. Just last week. Just last week. Uh, yeah. So anyway, yeah, well, yeah, well, the trick is when you ever take a picture of your fish, you tuck your elbows in behind the fish and you shove them way out front. And uh, so anyway, but I was down on the beach. I was uh, watching some people uh, beach fish and uh, that's a little different. They stand there and they throw it all the way out. I think I have a photo of that and uh, you can see how, how that happens. I'm not a, I'm not, that's not me by the way. Uh, uh, a guy caught a shark when we were there. A guy caught a shark when we were there. It was, it was interesting. And, you know, in, in saltwater, is just so much different than freshwater. And whether it's grouper or snapper or tuna or halibut, I'm a freshwater fisherman. I'm not a, I'm not a stream fisherman, per se. I could. Uh, I have a fly rod and, and a fly pole, but I'm just not good at that. I'm, I'm more of a freshwater lake kind of guy. And uh, uh, that means panfish bluegill. Um, if you're from Minnesota, you fish for bullhead. I don't know why you would ever do that, but that's what they do up there. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, actually a game, I'm a game sport fisherman. I was actually uh, part of the BASS and my, my father-in-law taught me to fish and uh, that's the kind of stuff I like to throw right there. That's called a spinnerbait. And um, a, a interesting story one day. Well, um, Cheryl didn't like me when we first met. Um, <laughs> go figure. But, but uh, I, I knew that if I could become friends with her dad, and he loved to bass fish, and all I knew how to do was just a bobber and a, and a pole, you know, just uh, good old-fashioned bobber stuff. And, but he was a competitive bass fisherman, and so um, I became a competitive bass fisherman. <laughs> so I could hang around their house more often. And um, when in the early learning stages, I was, Gary was his name. Um, he's since gone on to be with the Lord. Um, he was just a rabid fisherman. And when he had a young teenager like me who was willing to row his boat, because there's a little pond near the house, I was his human trolling motor. <laughs> if you know anything about bass fishing, you're constantly on the move and and he would direct me and I would occasionally be able to throw after he'd already thrown a spot three or four times and I was allowed to throw at that spot and that's that's how that symbiotic relationship uh, developed back in the day and one day in particular we were over at a place called Sunset Lake in Pekin Illinois and I was in this little bitty I want to say it was 10 foot but it's probably a 12 foot flat bottom John boat and we're just going to town going to beat the band and he pulls out a rod with a spinnerbait on. If, if uh, let me show you up close and personal. Uh, this is a uh, flipping pole. 
But at the end of that, you're gonna see, you're gonna see one of those things right there. And just for reference size, it's pretty good size. This is a little over a quarter of an ounce. And we were fishing hot and heavy one day and, and um, you know, a pole this size in a 12 foot boat and I'm in the back just doesn't add up real well. So I'm constantly like a, like a cat in a room full of rocking chairs, you know, while he's just oblivious to whatever and he's fishing away. And actually the largest fish he ever caught was on that pond. And so uh, one ill-fated day he, he, he drew back. He drew back like this. Like that. But that, that little hook right there, went right up my nose. And the tip came out the top. He started swearing, because he had a backlash. He had a backlash, and I had ruined his day. And so, uh, as with any cut on your face, it just began to pour, just pour blood. And he's picking out his thing, looking back at me, and then he realizes that it's stuck. You know, it's stuck. And I'm like, it's like dangling from my nose like this. I'm like, and blood's coming out. And he goes, but he was catching a lot of fish. He didn't want to stop. So, so he said, I can get that out of there. I said, okay. Uh, who am I, right? I'm just a 16-year-old kid. And so I get down on my knees in the bottom of this rocky boat, and he puts his one hand on my forehead and the other on that bait, and he yanks it right out of my nose like that. Then he reaches in his back pocket, as most old people have a handkerchief. He tosses it back to the beginning of the boat. He goes, there, that's for you, and then he just starts fishing. It's exactly what he did. He said, uh, hey, Eric. And I'm like, I, I got a pounding headache now. I'm, like, I'm in the bottom of the boat. And, and he goes, hey, you know, if you ever thought about piercing your nose, now would be a good time. <laughs> Hand to heaven, that's exactly how that story went. And uh, uh, I got lots of good stories, lots of good fishing stories uh, with Gary and uh, all that we used to do back in the day. I still enjoy fishing uh, occasionally when I have the opportunity uh, conditions uh, have a lot to determine whether or not you're going to catch fish uh, or the possibility of catching fish. You know, you watch, if, if you're really into it, there's low pressure and high pressure and then on cold days or hot days and whether it's hot or it's rainy or it's icy. Uh, early morning, I mean, I fished every one of those. Every one of those times I fished. In the midday heat is probably the hardest, but you just change your tactics a little bit. Um, my favorite bait to fish is a topwater. A topwater is a bait that you throw out and it floats. And then you will twitch it in whatever manner uh, is called for for that particular bait or that particular type of uh, fish that you're imitating. And when the fish comes up and, and strikes at it, it's just a big splash. It's very, it's very tactile. It's very invigorating. That's my favorite type of fishing to do. Um, crankbaits and plastic worms. Um, Occasionally I'll use real worms depending on the species that I'm fishing. But my go-to bait would be that, would be that spinner bait. And I, and I enjoy that the best because I get to throw it a lot. And, um, that's, that's, that's fishing 101. And uh, now some of you are looking at this other top rate gear that I've got here. 
Go on. This <laughs> Cheryl's. This is Cheryl's. <laughs> no. No, this is not Cheryl's. This is Davina's. And Davina goes with me. Um, and so, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring relevance to all this information. And it's going to start with this. Whether you're, whether you're a highly seasoned a fisherman, a person who does it quite often. There's even professional fishermen, you know. And, or whether you're a rookie. It's all basically the same gear. It's just, just iterate different iterations of the same stuff. It's a hook and a line. And it's just that's the basics of it. And so the reality is that uh, sometimes you catch them and sometimes you don't. And as the old joke goes, that's why they call it fishing and not catching. As Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting their net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you catchers. No. He didn't say, I'm going to make you a catcher. He said, you're going to do what? You're going to fish. You're going to fish for men, mankind, men and women. And so we're going to take a few minutes today and talk about this out of Mark chapter 1. And we're going to start with a, a, very one, a very easy one answer quiz. Let's see if you get it right. Who is the church? Say, we are the church. Yeah. When, when deconstructionists or people that have a bad attitude about the church, uh, I always re- remind them that, hey, you're the church. We ought to do, the church ought to, and I say, exactly, you ought to. The church ought to, well, sure, absolutely, you should go do that right now. Sober comment 101, if you are the church, and we've established that you are, if you walk away from the commandment to be a fisher of men, you've lost your primary directive. The church is just one generation away from being extinct. If we all died and there were no fish caught, the church would end. That'd be the end of it. And so we don't want to shrivel up and die. As the church, I'm talking about the body of Christ, right? Not just Destiny Church or Westside or Cherry Hills or whatever. I'm talking about the body, the capital C church, the church universal. We're just one generation away from failure if we don't heed what Jesus said to the very first apostles that he called. Come on, guys. You're going to be fishers of men. That's what you're going to do. You're going to be fishers of men. But the church... Gosh, she's just in an interesting phase of her life right now. You know, everything has seasons. And, and right now, it seems that a lot of churches would rather take you to the movies and give you a 15-minute TED Talk than tell you the gospel. And, and that's just, you know, that's just straight talk, you know. I don't, I don't see a lot of, um, I don't see, I don't see a lot of benefit in beating around the bush uh, the church could use some improving, and uh, we are the church. Yeah. And uh, choosing to have the, the God of luxury and comfort rather than the God of righteousness and holiness will cause you a problem in your walk. And uh, the, 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 just the bare bones truth is anybody that dies and does not have Jesus as their Lord and Savior, when they die, they go to hell. And that's not a popular sentiment in the church because I'm not supposed to offend you. Um, but I, I'd, I'd rather offend you here than have you spend eternity in hell. Amen. 
so that's just kind of a, it's kind of the paradox that we have, that people don't want to be offended, but the cross is offensive. The gospel is offensive. And so there is an immutable fact, and that is heaven is real. If I were to take a poll, and how many believe in heaven? Yeah, how many believe in hell? Mm, not so much. Well, that's not how you get to roll. We live in, a, we live in an environment today where, where we actually think we can make up our own facts. Well, I have a different set of facts. You have a different set of facts? How can you have a different set of facts? These are the facts. No, no, no. I have my own reality. I'm a cat. Well, God is holy, Jesus is holy, and the only way you're going to get there is by him. The Bible's clear in John 14, Jesus said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's a, this is great exclusivity. You need to understand, it says no one, no one's going to get there unless you come through me. You don't have an alternate route. You don't get to plug in GPS and go through Hare Krishna. <laughs> Recalculating. No, there is no recalculating. There's only one, and it's a straight line that goes right to the foot of the cross, where you have to confess that you're a sinner and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, and then confess that with your mouth. And that's really offensive to people who think that, that they can be anything they want to be. I can get to God anyhow I want. I'm, you know, the trees in the forest, they're God. No, they're not. God made those. See, we can offer them programs singing Christmas trees and drummer boys descending from the ceiling, give them the best light and sound show, but if we fail to give them Jesus, they'll go to hell wishing we had told them the truth rather than entertain them. So, this is why it's important for you to be a fisher of men. It's not just my job. It's not just my job. Well, you work for us, we hired you, and it's your job. Because in America, we pay everyone else to do our jobs for us. Change our oil, wash our car, cut our grass. If you can afford to do it, you will pay someone else to do your job for you. Cook my meals for me, drive my car for me, wash my windows for me, yeah? Oh, so you're, you're nervous now, man. You're super nervous now. I can feel the vibe coming back at me. I don't know. I don't want to agree. I don't want to agree because he's going he's gonna to twist a knife in me. Yes, I am. I am. So come on. Come on. Give it a try. It's fun. It's fun. Right. It's, yes, it is my responsibility individually, personally, as much as it is your responsibility individually and personally. And part of my job is to remind you of your job. And my job is to remind you that you need to be a fisher of men. Occasionally you'll catch some. Occasionally it'll be like, fish on! Occasionally you'll be able to throw that spinner, you'll throw that center bait out, that spinner bait out there. And, 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 and there'll be a friend in the neighborhood or a coworker that says, well, that's interesting. I should take a look at that thing called the gospel. So it's your job too. And if you're unfamiliar of the basics, I'm gonna give you four steps. It's called the Roman road. It's steps to peace with God. If you have nothing else written down in your entire life, you should write these four verses down. You should put it in the inside cover of your Bible. Um, you should have it on your phone because at some moment you're going to be given the opportunity to go fishing and you're going to, instead of not knowing what to say and pull a, a Ralph Cramden, humming a, humming a, humming a, humming a, some of you, you know, 
that's not a Friends reference. Uh, that, that, that's, a, that's a Ralph Cramden reference when he didn't know. Humana, 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 humana. And so, and the deal is this. You just have to be able to, you know, have a, have a pole, have a line, have a hook, and this is this, how it goes. Number one, God has a plan for your life. Have you heard that before? In Romans chapter five, verse one, it says, therefore, since God has been justified, we've been justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God, but here's how the peace comes, through our Lord Jesus Christ. So step number one is that he wants to be at peace with you. And I'll tell you what, the world, if, if you offer them real peace, the world will beat down the door to get to you. Not a fake peace. Not the peace that you have when you finally get that new car that you want. Oh, yeah. And then you park it out in the Sangamon Center parking lot where some dipwad dings your car. It opens his door like I was three feet away. And he still somehow got his door. All, I don't know. It's not my life. But you know what I'm saying. And what happens? Your peace is gone. Something you bought that you thought, oh, I'm going to have peace. No. It's all empty. It's vacuous, ladies and gentlemen. It's just going to leave a vacuum in your life. There's only one way that you get peace, and that's by having a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not being in harmony with the universe, <laughs> vibrating your inner man at 440 cycles a second, dangling a crystal, and whatever it is that these people think brings them peace. That's just crazy. It's crazy. I know it's not nearly as crazy as wanting to be a cat, but we got people thinking they're cats. So it's on the spectrum. It's just not right. It doesn't happen, doesn't work, and it won't work for you. Number one, the number one thing you have to tell anybody when you go, when you go fishing is, man, God, God wants to be at peace with you. But what's, that's the plan. But what's the problem? Number two, the problem is this, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All these verses come from Romans, really easy to remember. See, because the problem with sin, it's really clear in the Bible that sin separates you from God. So if you're separated from God, you can't be with God. And sin is what we all fall into. It's part of our nature. Romans 3.23, all have sinned. Listen, sin is missing the mark, and we can use a nice little subtle colloquialism and, and be subtle. And, oh, you messed up. No, you sinned. That's what you did. Yeah. He acted inappropriately. This is what they say about pastors when they fall. He acted inappropriately. No, he sinned. Hey, hey. He sinned. Let's just call, call a spade a spade. Is that, is that, call a spade a spade. It is what it is. Sinned, messed up. So what does that do? It, S-I-N is an acronym for sin, sin separates, infects, and negates. S-I-N. Sin separates, separates you from God, infects you and everyone else in your world, this is how bad things happen to good people. You didn't do anything wrong with somebody got stupid, got drunk, drove, drove, and ran into you. You didn't do anything wrong. No, but sin infects everything it touches. You never sin in silence. You never sin in secret. It always is affecting something. Infects you and those around you. Separates, infects, and then negates. All those promises you're believing for, God says, what are you talking about? You're telling me to go take a leap and, 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 and openly, I'm not talking about stuff that, I'm not talking about stuff you don't know about. I'm talking about stuff that you know is wrong and you continue to do it. God says, listen, your prayers are not going higher than the ceiling in the room that you're in. Let's have a good, well, how do I get right? Well, there's a solution to the problem. 
and that's called the remedy. The remedy is found in Romans, of course, and it's 5.8. But God demonstrated his love for us that while we were still telling him to take a leap, while we were still telling him we don't believe in him, while we were still using his name in vain and being stupid, that he sent Christ to die for us. The remedy is the cross. The remedy is the cross. Jesus died for your sin. So that sin that separates you now There's a way to have that rectified, and that's by accepting what Jesus did for you. He died on the cross for you. He did nothing wrong. He was betrayed by one of his best friends. He died penniless. His clothes were torn up. No one was there to see him except for his mom and just another. It's horrible, horrible death, but he did it for you. That's the remedy. So what should our response be? Number four, finally, Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So when people say, are you saved? Listen, that's not some evangelical, hyper-charismatic terminology. That's like Bible 101. Are you saved? If you do this, you'll be saved. If you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. Well, why do I have to say it out of my mouth? It says so. Years and years of Greek study have told me that it says that. So you believe in your heart, well, I'm, I'm a quiet Christian. I, I don't believe that I, that I need to confess that. Well, then you're in error. You are wrong. 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 You must confess with your mouth. I believe Jesus is the son of God, that he died for my sins, and that today my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Well, how do you know that? Because I believe it. Because f- faith is the evidence. Amen. Right? Faith is the evidence of things not seen. So how do I know that I have it? I believe it. How do you really know you don't have it? Because after you pray a prayer like that, the devil comes to you and says, you're not saved. And we know what about the devil? He's a liar. As soon as he tells you you don't have something, you go, ching, ching, got it. You didn't get baptized in the Holy Ghost. The devil says something like that. Oh, yes, I did. You're a liar. So here's the deal. You take that basic fishing information to a world that's in bondage and slavery, like the Israelites in Egypt making bricks without straw, being whipped by the Egyptian taskmasters. Men thinking they're women that they can have babies. Cheryl and I listened to a, a, a lady yesterday who was at the YMCA and she walked in to take her shower and there's a naked man in there showering with her. It's in California. She ran out and told the front desk, I said, yeah, we're aware of that. He's allowed in there. Just last week in California. <laughs> Crazy. Doctors assisting suicide, women trying to be men, men trying to be women, marriages falling apart, pornography, lust, drunkenness, greed, idolatry, suicide, the second leading cause of death of young, uh, young people, depression at an all-time high, murder rate in America. Now, if you're 25 years or younger in this room today, this is not going to really mean anything to you. But those of us who are a little bit senior of that can begin to get our mind around the idea that today, the murder rate in America is twice as what it was 25 years ago. Just 25 years ago. 
So if you don't go fishing, there's a generation that'll die and go to hell. And, 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 and if you don't have compassion, if you don't have compassion for that, then let me, let me just take it up to another level for you. That when these people, and they, and they die and they go to hell, and if you don't have, listen, then their blood will be on your hands. What? You mean if I do nothing, I'm still guilty? Yeah. To know to do right and then not to do it is just as much a sin as doing it incorrectly. Ezekiel says it like this. When I say to a wicked man, you will surely die, you do not warn him. If you do not warn him or speak out to dissuade him from his evil ways in order to save his life, then that wicked man will die for his sin and I will hold you accountable for his blood. Ezekiel 3.18. It's on your hands. And this is why Christianity oftentimes wants you to stick their head in the ground. Like, this is too big a deal. I, 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 this is too much for me to handle. That's a lot of responsibility. I cannot do that myself. It, it just, it, it's just, it's too much. So you got to be ready. You got to be ready to share your hope in Jesus, your testimony. That's what it says in 1 Peter. Always be ready. Always be ready. Always be ready. If someone were to call me, Cheryl, and they would say, hey, Eric, can you go fishing? How long would it take me to get ready to go fishing? That much. Because all that's right there at the bottom of my stairs. I haven't fished competitively in a long time. Fished several times a year. But if someone say, hey, Eric, are you ready? Oh, yeah. I'm ready. I got my baits tied on. I got my tackle all organized. I know exactly what to do. Where are we going? Tell me, tell me the environment we're going to go fishing. I may have to tweak a few things, but I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm prepared. The question then to you is, are you ready to fish for men? If you're not, I just gave you your line and your, your bobber and your hook. I just gave you the Roman road. I just gave you the basics of fishing. That's all you have to do is throw that out there. Whether or not you catch something, that's not on you. That's not on you. Sometimes the fish are just not interested. But you gotta be, you're, you're responsible to at least try. And I thought about that. There's really three kinds of people and, and, and uh, as their preparedness. And it looks like this. I think maybe because I just came from a, a little trip. Uh, the first trip is those people who are very organized. Let's take a look at their suitcase. That's how their suitcase is prepared. You ever, you ever travel with anybody like that? That's my wife. Got everything, everything's in its place. We got everything. We got our earbuds. We got our chargers. She got our toothpaste. She got her passport. She got a flashlight. Got the water bottle. It's all organized. Ticket, 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 ticket. Some people are ready like that when it comes to soul winning. But then you got the next crowd. You know any Christians that pack their suitcase like that? They go, uh, I, think, I think there's a verse in there somewhere about how you should confess with your mouth. I don't know. Just love Jesus, brother. Well, that's just not going to work. That's just not going to work. So th- that's a dichotomy, right? That's the one and zero. That's the, those are the polar opposites. But I'll tell you what, I, I thought and I thought and I realized there's actually another type of Christian that's quite prevalent in the church today, and that's our third option. That's a Louis Vuitton. That's a $3,700 suitcase that has nothing in it. Oh, you look good. Oh, you look good. You look like you're going to places. Some people don't want to go to connect group because you have to open your suitcase. 
know. So the question is, are you ready? Only you know what's inside. This is an internal thing. If I sat and talked with you for 10 minutes, I would, I would know what kind of suitcase you are. So are you ready? Well, if you're ready, then the question is, are you willing? God's looking for willing people. You know, everything that God wants us to be involved in, he, he may mandate it, but he asks for a willing heart to do it. Because you can be doing the right thing with a bad attitude, yeah? Yeah? The little kid whose dad just bought a Corvette, and they're going down the highway 65 miles an hour, and the kid unbuckles and he stands up in the seat with his hands uh, like a roller coaster going down the interstate. Dad says, sit down. That's dangerous. The kid sits down and buckles up. Dad says, now, are you having fun? He goes, no, because on the inside, I'm still standing up. So you can be doing the right thing, all buckled up, doing what the Lord asks you to do, but still have a bad attitude about it. This has to do about your willingness. Are you ready? And are you willing? He's looking for people who are willing. Everyone who is willing to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, or bronze. That's, 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 uh, that's tithe and offering this morning. Ryan didn't stand up here and say, okay, form a line, open your checkbook, let's see how much you got. Okay, you put that much in, and you put that much in. No. God is a cheerful giver, not out of compulsion. You do what you want to do. You'll be responsible for whatever it is that you do. We give you opportunity. This is what the Lord's saying. Hey, if you're willing, bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and bronze. I could purchase all of this and still not be willing and never catch a fish. Oh, I look good. I've got all the Logos Bible software. I know the Roman road inside and out. I can parse Greek verbs. I can speak Hebrew fluently. I've been to Israel and I know everything about everything in the Bible. But if I'm not willing to open my mouth and to just cast a line and say, hey, listen, you know, God wants to be at peace with you, but there's a problem. You're sinning. The answer is the cross. And so the remedy is to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Boom, what did I do? The Roman road, boop, 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 just that easy. Well, they may not like me anymore. I may offend them. Well, here's what's happened. We've, we've oh my word. We have degraded interpersonal relationships and communication in our in, uh, society to the point that when, we disagree, when, when I disagree with you, you think I hate you. No, I'm just disagreeing with you. I have, a different, I have a different basis of fact that I'm speaking from. Well, you hate me. No, I don't hate you. The reason I'm telling you what I believe to be the truth is because I actually love you and don't want you to continue in that because your blood's gonna be required at my hands. So here's the deal. I'm gonna tell you the truth. Whether you like it or not, that's not gonna be on you. There is a plan for you to have peace in your life. Stop trying to fill it with people and relationships and sex and booze and drugs. Stop that. It's just empty. It's vanity, according to Solomon. Proverbs tells us that it's like sweetness in your mouth, but then turns to rocks in your belly. It satisfies you momentarily. But then when you stare at yourself on Saturday morning in the mirror the next morning after last night's bender, you go to your side, is this all there is? Is this who I'm supposed to be? Is this what life is about? Hello? Right? So I just want to tell you the truth. God wants to be, you can have peace. That passes human understanding. So you can be ready, but you're not willing. 
here it is, hard truth. If you're ready, but you're not willing, you're still useless. You're useless. Actually, you're dead weight in the kingdom. There's no calluses on your hand. You're just pretty pedicured, manicured. The body of Christ is a gospel ship. This is a working vessel, not a cruise ship. This is not the celebrity cruise or Royal Caribbean or whatever those things are called. This is not some cruise ship. This is a working vessel called the body of Christ. It's just the church. And so you need to have calluses on your hands, not flaunting how much information and wisdom and knowledge you have. And look at my ministry. And look how, no, no, that's not what it's about. It's not about that. You gotta be ready and you have to be willing. But the opposite's true too. In Matthew 26, 41, the Lord said, watch and pray so that you may not fall into temptation. Why? Because the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. So now take that same situation where you're all prepared, but you're not willing, and you, let's look at the inverse. Let's look at the reverse of that. What is that? That's people that are just so zealous, but have zero information between their ears about anything biblically true. And they just go off half-cocked, and they cause, actually, they can cause a lot of problems in the kingdom of God. counsel I've given to people. What, listen, I know you're zealous, man, but you really need to get into some Bible study. You need to be accountable to some people. You need to take some of these wild hair ideas that you got. You need to sit under submission with somebody. You need to have just a little bit of uh, humility. And then you need to understand that there are people that have walked this road that are way ahead of you that can tell you that there are some pitfalls that if you continue down that road, you're going to burn out like a comet. So listen, why don't you just sit down, be quiet, and listen for a while, check your heart, and actually, actually be a servant. I'd like every person from now on that ever intends to get into ministry to step up to the tattoo chair and get a stack of folding chairs tattooed on their arm. Come early and set up some chairs, stay late and take them down for a year and you might begin to understand what ministry is about. It's not about you and your business card and your website. It's about who you serve and you love them because God did so much for you, you would set up tables and chairs the rest of your life if that was your responsibility. You would do it as unto the Lord. And then you get some training and you learn some stuff. So you can be, you can be super eager but have nothing, nothing of substance to share. You have to be willing and you have to be ready. You have to be both. Ready, willing, and... But here's the thing, you're not able. You're not able. The Bible continually tells us over and over again how unable we are to do anything, including save yourself. Let's just, let's take everything I've said, scoot it over to the side. Let's talk about salvation. Are you ready to get saved? Are you willing to get saved? But you're not able to save yourself, are you? What do you need? You need the grace of God. Is that not, how, is that not how the salvation message works? You're ready to get saved. You're willing to get saved, but you're not able to save yourself. You're trying to do it out of good works or whatever it is. The same now applies to the body of Christ. But the problem is we think we are able and so the Holy Spirit isn't invited to your, to your home group or to your family devotions or whatever. I got this, God. I don't need you. I'm, I'm more than intelligent and I'm willing to do it. No, you need the Holy Spirit's ability because in yourself you are not able. 
This is counterintuitive to today's phenomena in the church. You know, just go live your best life and smile and it's all good and you're really good on the inside. No, you're a worm and a wretch on the inside. You're broken and you can't save yourself. That's the real gospel. The real gospel is you're screwed up. But God is able if you're willing and ready to give your life to him. I mean, that's simple. It's so simple, it gets, it gets perverted. I'm trying to tell you that you say, okay, all right, I understand my responsibility. I'm gonna be a fisherman. I'm gonna throw my line. I'm ready and I'm willing, but I'm not able. So what does that mean in reality? It means that God is able, according to Ephesians 3.20, to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. Philippians 4.13, Luke 1.37, I can do all things and for there's nothing impossible. Back it up, look at the other one. There's something I've, I've left out of both. I can do all things through him. Who's him? God. I can do everything through him who gives me strength, not myself. This is the philosophy of the world. Try harder and you're going to get it right. Yeah. Trying harder is not always the answer. Ask the fly who continually flies into the glass plate. The sliding door. Trying harder is not the answer for him. Having the door opened is the answer for him. I'm trying to show you that you need to be, you need to trust someone who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above whatever you think. Oh, I got this. I don't, I, yeah, I got, no. when you walk into any type of ministry like that, you are certain to fail. And the really dangerous thing is on the occasion that you do succeed, it reinforces your flesh and that you can manipulate things and manipulate people and manipulate the Holy Spirit. And you can go back to that well a couple times and it's gonna run dry and then you're double lost. And the people that you're leading to Christ, Jesus said of the Pharisees, you make them twice the sons of hell. God is able. I can do all things through him for nothing is impossible with God. With God. I'm able, I am able, I am well able as he enables me. I'm well able to do anything he puts me, puts, and you know, what's, you know what's crazy about that? When you believe that, he can ask you to do some pretty, pretty crazy, incredible things and they begin to happen because, you, because when it does happen, then you say, oh, that wasn't me. God, God was there with that one, man, because I'll tell you what, if that would have been me, the wheels would have fallen off that thing. Giving honor to whom honor is due is saying, you know what? The Lord has helped me thus far. It can seem overwhelming, can it? Well, I don't know, leading people to Jesus, talking about my faith. Listen, you can't swing a dead cat around by the tail and not hit an unsaved person. They're everywhere. I mean, they're everywhere. Unsaved people are everywhere. So you just go fishing. Throw a little something over there, throw a little something over there, put a track on the back of the toilet, where your Jesus loves you, whatever, share your faith, listen to Christian radio when everybody else is thumping to something else. Just little stuff, and you're doing it with intentionality. You're doing it with intentionality. I'm gonna love people on purpose. I'm gonna love people on purpose. Listen, how about a Christmas card next year that has your testimony in it, not about how little Johnny passed third grade, so wonderful, because you're an awesome parent. How about I'm a broken parent without the love of Jesus in my life and without, the, without my faith in Jesus? You know what? This would be a really horrible thing. I'm not dissing anybody that did it. Listen, 
there was just some conviction that rolled over some people about their Christmas letter. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm saying there are just so many opportunities that there's unsaved people everywhere. You let your life be a sacrifice. Let your life be a testimony. Let your life be something other than consumption. It's too big. It's too big of a deal. It's too big of a task. You know, um, I think uh, Aaron, I did listen to his sermon. Did he preach? He did awesome last week. Beautiful sermon. Powerful sermon. And he touched on the spies and, and, and some Old Testament stuff. And, and uh, you know, there's so much to be learned there. Back when Moses had led this, you know, this million people out of Egypt. And they're in the middle of the desert. And then God says, you know, feed them. Water them. I mean, that's, that's an insurmountable task. For one person, God looks at you and says, feed them all. Jesus did it to 5,000, went into the 12. But he looks at Moses and says, feed them all. What? What? What are you talking about? The analogy for us is leading your office to Jesus, telling your neighborhood about the love of the Lord, telling your family about the goodness of the Lord. It seems impossible. Can't do it by myself. And here's the reality. No, you can't. Because the person, listen, the person that led you to the Lord, if there was an individual that led you to the Lord in that kind of way, was, was only reaping where your grandma and your grandpa and your aunt and your uncle and your neighbors and all those Christians sowed seed of faith and salvation into heaven for your salvation for all those years. And then somebody just came along and picked it, but other people had sown for years into your life. Oh God, please let them get off drugs. Lord God, please, God, just save their soul and keep them safe. And then along comes some silly little pastor on a Sunday morning that talks about the Roman road and they go, poop, and that's a crown in my head. That's a, that's a jewel in my crown? No, it's a crown of the jewel of your grandma and your great grandma and all those other people that were praying for you all those years. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? It's just too much. I can't do it. You can't, absolutely, you cannot do it alone. This is what Moses found out in Numbers 11. He asked the Lord, why have you brought this trouble on me, your servant? What have I done to you, God, to displease you, that you put the burden of all these people on me? Now, the, the analogy for us is our, the weightiness that we feel in sharing our faith to others. So I'm riding two horses at the same time. I'm sharing you the story out of Exodus and I'm asking you to apply it to your life as I read it as it relates to soul winning. Are you with me? Yep. Okay. So he goes on. Number 12. He, 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 he gonna, he's going to complain to God. Did I conceive these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms? Otherwise their blood will be on my hands. Right? Why, why do I have to carry them and nurse them? to the land that you promised an oath to their forefathers. Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing, give us meat, give us meat. 14, I can't carry all these people by myself. The burden's too heavy. Verse 15, if this is how you're going to treat me, kill me now. Lord, if all these people that I'm supposed to lead to you, their blood's gonna be on my head, just take me out, dear Jesus, right now. Just kill me right here on the spot. I cast too much for me to bear. I can't handle it. That's what Moses said, so we're in good company. Let's see, how, let's see how the Lord dealt with him. Now, if I found favor in your eyes and do not let my face, uh, my own, face my own ruin. So here's the overwhelming, here's, I'm overwhelmed, but here, here's the, here's the solution. Verse 16, the very next verse. The Lord said to Moses, oh, here's what we're going to do. Bring 70 of the elders who are known to be leaders of officials among you. Have them come to the tent of meeting where you and I hang out. Have them stand there with you. And verse 17, I'll come, I'll speak with you and them there, and I will take the spirit that is on you, 
and I will put the Spirit, Holy Spirit, on you to be a witness. Uh, 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 uh. I will take the Spirit that is on you and put that same Spirit on them, and then they will help you carry the burden of the people so that you will not have to carry it alone. Verse 24, so Moses went out, did just like the Lord said. He brought the 70 of them together and the elders to stand in the tent. Verse 25, so the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to them and he took the spirit that was on him and put that spirit on the 70 elders. See, you're not alone. In this room, look, here's a, here's a couple other hundred people that have the same commission that you have. It's not your responsibility to save the world. Jesus already did that. You just tell him that he did. You're not the savior. Some of you really love crisis. Some of you want to be in the middle of everything that's going bad because you want to be the savior fixture in their life or in your family. Stop that. Stop being the savior. You can't do it. You're not able. All these unsaved people, are just I mean, they're just everywhere. All of them are not your responsibility. Just the one that swims up to you and puts his nose right in front of you and starts telling you about some spiritual retreat they went on that was absolutely nonsense. That's the Lord saying, there he is. He swam right up to you. Do something about that. I'm not talking, listen, some people want to stand on a street corner with a bullhorn and shout, Jesus loves you. That's great. That's not my mojo. I'm going to take every one of them that comes to me and I'm, I'm, I'm going to do the best that I can. God wants to be at peace with you. The problem is your sin. There is a remedy. Believe and confess. That's it. That sounds, well, okay. I'm telling you, that's the truth. I'm going to move on to the next one now. Because I don't want their blood required at my hands. So the old saying, are you ready? Yes. Are you willing? Yes. But God, God is able. Not you. So here's your take home, number one. Your take home for the day is this. It's the great commission. Co means we're gonna do this together. It's not the great mission. Dun, 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 This is not mission impossible. This is the great commission possible. It's a commission. That means we do this thing together. But if you don't have calluses on your hands, you're part of the problem. You're just drinking your drink with a little umbrella in it saying, oh, pastor, oh, apostle, apostle, whoever, church, feet, make me laugh, make me smile, make me feel good. And if you don't, I'll go to another place where I get to consume and get fat and consume and feel good about myself all the time. Listen, you come here sometimes not to feel good about yourself. Say, you know what? I am undone. I am undone, man. There's stuff going on in my mind. There's thoughts that come to me that aren't mine. The devil, the enemy is trying to do some crazy stuff to me and my family. And I'm not going to stand against that. And and you feel bad about that. And you say, okay, I'm going to get a backbone. I'm going to get together with a bunch of people who know and love Jesus, who know it's a commission that we're doing this thing together. Because I can't. I'm not able. I am not able to do this by myself. Well, pastor, you're strong. No, I'm not. I'm not. I am unable and any pastor would stand up here and say he's able, you should get up and walk out. I am unable to do what he's called me to do. But when you say, but with, him, with God, all things are possible, 
Now, with God as my partner, part of my, I, now that I've exposed what my life's vision statement is to you, you'll hear these phrases come from me quite often now because I read it and I understand it. it's, it's part of me. I can't do it myself. But with God as my partner, I will make my plans big. When God is my partner, I will make my plans big. Not all by myself. I got big plans. I got big plans. No, when God says, okay, let me partner with you. I said, absolutely, man. Take, Jesus, take the wheel. Number one, it's a commission. You're not all alone. You're not all alone. You are not alone. Number two, you got to get ready. If you're not ready to share your faith, I gave you the four things that you need to know over and above anything else. And that steps to peace with God. Write those scripture down. If you didn't write them down, you should, uh, this podcast is up on Mondays, right, Aaron? Monday morning. You can listen to it on podcast. See it on Thursdays, probably. And if you're not motivated to do that, and you're not saying to yourself, yeah, I, I, should, really, I should really commit those to memory, I'm at, I, I want to just come and shake you by the shoulders. And I will, give it an opportunity to. <laughs> I said, I said, what? You're a Christian, right? Okay, so you're already saved, right? Your name's in the Lamb's Book of Life. You're good. You're good to go. And you don't care that other people are dying and going to hell? What's wrong with you? Are you even saved? Or have you so bitten the apple of consumption and feel good Christianity, you have no compassion for the lost? You, you don't weep a tear over somebody that curses God. And you go, man, that's just, that's just not right. They should really, somebody ought to. Yeah, the church ought to, and you're the church. Yeah, the church really ought to do something about that. The church ought to take care of homelessness. Yeah, you should. Church ought to take care of poverty. Yeah, you really should. And those are all great things. Social things are wonderful things. You know, Lions Club, doing glasses and what all the social clubs do, that's wonderful. But at the end of the day, the lions aren't leading people to Jesus. There are social things that need to be left to other people because our primary directive is to come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men. Yes, Jesus fed the hungry. I'm all, I'm all about that. We're gonna have a, a food shelter over in the Dream Center. We're gonna have a clothing shelter over in the Dream Center. It's going gangbusters right now. I got more students than I have class rooms and classes available. I got 40 students already signed up and they're still, the next semester doesn't start for a month. It's amazing what's happening at the Dream Center. Our new uh, chief operations officer, Sarah, is here. Sarah, stand up real quick, let them see you. Sarah's moving here to work at the Dream Center. So yeah, yeah, they're, they're, those, that, but that's not our primary directive. Our primary directive is this right here. If you do not know Jesus and you're in this room today, you've heard it three, four times already, what has to happen? You confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is who he says he is, and then you're gonna be saved. Well, I don't feel like I'm saved. It has nothing to do with your feelings. It has zero to do with your feelings. Right now, I don't feel married. I am married. That's a reality. Oh, there she is. Now I feel married. You know what I'm saying? Do I feel married every moment of the day? The feeling that, oh, that, oh, baby, baby. Oh, I love you. I love you, honey. No, I don't have that. I don't have that feeling. I don't have that. There are times you come and worship. Oh, I feel the presence of God. But I'm not asking you to feel anything. I'm just asking you to believe. 
like you believe if you went out to your car right now after the service and you put the key in and you turn the, turn the engine over, what would happen? You believe what will happen. You believe it'll start. How do you know that? Uh, you just believe it. You just believe it. I'm asking you to believe that Jesus loves you. He does. And he's not here to beat you up. He's here to actually comfort you. When Jesus, listen to this, and I'll let you go. When Jesus had the most harsh words ever to people, they were always religious people. You Pharisees, you brood of vipers, you snakes. That's how he talked to religious people who thought their, their stuff didn't smell. But to the woman caught in adultery, to the sinner, he was always gracious and kind. Come here, come, come, come here. Oh, I love you so much. I don't care how you smell. I don't care where you've been. I just want to be with you. I love you. Why? Because you realize you're broken. And that's who Jesus is for me every morning, who he is for you. You come into your prayer room with pride, beat your chest. I'm so glad I'm not homeless today. I'm not like them. No, God, thank you for providing for me and my family. I'm so gracious. I could not do this without you. You're so awesome. And he wraps his arms around you. Gone fishing. Gone fishing. I want you to become fishers of men. Be fishers of men. Yeah, occasionally you'll catch something. Not for your glory. Not for your gun handle to put a notch on. Just for the goodness of God. Goodness, because you're already saved. But if you're here today and you're not, this is your moment to give your life to Jesus. Why don't you stand up with me today, would you please? <clears throat> hmm. Just close your eyes with me just for a final moment this morning. And there's only two categories of people in this room today, those who have accepted the truth that Jesus is who he says he is, or those who have not yet done that. And if you already have, congratulations. I'm asking you to soften your heart and pray with me right now in the spirit, right where you're at. You say, Lord, just soften people's hearts this morning. But if you're here and you have not made that decision, this is your, cho this is your choice. Remember, willing, a willing offering. And what are you gonna offer? You're gonna offer your whole life to him for a brand new start where your sins are forgiven and though they be red as crimson, he comes in and washes them white as wool, white as snow. For he is like a refiner's fire. Thank you, Father, for loving us in our brokenness with a list of inabilities so long, it's infinite. But with you, all things are possible. I could never live a Christian life. I could never do it well. Well, join the club. None of us do it super well. We are all an unfinished piece of art but he's still working on me. And I want him to work on you. That you would live with him forever. And so if you've never done that and you want to give your life to Jesus, confess with your mouth and believe with your heart. Or if you've done it before and you want to do it again, that's nothing wrong with doing it. Nothing wrong with telling my wife I love her every day. So you can tell Jesus you love him every day. Just say this prayer with me. Dear Lord, I love you. I need you. Forgive me of all my sins. 
I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that you died for me. I accept your forgiveness and start brand new today. In the name of Jesus, amen. As we conclude this podcast, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.